Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. From Mamma Mia, hi, I'm Claire Murphy. Welcome to The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. If you're at a certain stage in your life, your social media feed has probably been recently wall-to-wall with first day of school or back-to-school pics from your friends and family. With their shining little faces, some in tiny school uniforms, their backpacks almost bigger than they are, these kids are heading into an education system that by some rankings doesn't even make it into the top 20 in the world. So why doesn't Australia fare well as far as educating our kids is concerned? We find out why European schools, especially those in Scandinavia, are killing it compared to us down under. Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au. According to the World Top 20 Project, the final rankings of 201 nations' education systems of 2019 found Finland is the best place to send your kids to school. Rounding out the top five are South Korea, Denmark, Hong Kong and the UK. And if you head further down the list, European countries make up the majority of those considered best when ranked on 10 developmental levels, including early childhood enrolment, completion of primary, lower secondary, high school and college, test scores, safety and literacy levels. They source this information from six international organisations, including the UN's Economic and Social Council and the Progress in Reading Study. Sweden, Norway, Slovenia, Poland, Estonia, Hungary, Italy, Spain, Switzerland and Ireland are all in the top 20. But where does Australia fit in all this? Well, according to a 2017 United Nations Children's Fund report card, Australia came in 39th out of 41 high and middle income countries. That report found just over 70% of our 15-year-old students could achieve baseline standards in the three key areas of reading, maths and science and 80% were attending organised preschool learning. In comparison, over 80% of Finnish kids are achieving that same baseline level, and 99% are in preschool for at least a year. There are other ranking systems that place us in the top five, but most of those are based on university education. For example, we ranked third in the QS Higher Education System rankings of 2018, and our universities, known as the Group of Eight, similar to the US's Ivy League, are in the top 100 in the world. We also come in third for the highest number of international students. But what about at a primary or high school level? Well, in terms of spending the money, Australia is the OECD, the Organisation for Economic Cooperation and Development's 10th biggest spender per school student. That's well above the average of US $122,000 each kid and just over 5% of our gross domestic product. 
But again, we're behind countries like Luxembourg, Switzerland, Norway, Denmark and the UK. And when you break it down to primary school level, we're below average. And that number gets even worse with early childhood education. Our class sizes are above average. The number of years we're in compulsory education is longer, 11 years compared to the average of nine. And while our tertiary education numbers look good, most of those who go to uni stop at a bachelor degree, with only a small percentage going on to get their masters, at odds to those in Europe. So what is it about the European and more specifically the Scandinavian countries that has them so frequently ranked in the top 20? Hassel Selberg is a former Finnish school teacher and author who's also worked in the education system as a researcher and policy advisor. Hassel, what is it about these European countries and more specifically the Scandinavian ones that's beating us here in Australia? First of all, I must say that the European systems overall are very different. There's a lot of variation from country to country. There's more similarities in the Scandinavian or Nordic systems. They're quite correctly, as you said, that they often do very well in these comparisons of education systems around the world. I think I can talk about two or three things that make them very different. Uh, For example, what we have here in Australia. I think one of them, probably the most visible thing from the parents' perspective, is the very strong emphasis on public education in all of these countries and actually throughout Europe. That means that in these systems and countries, we try to avoid the early selection of students based on their academic ability or their social background, where they come from. And that often leads to education policies that are giving more emphasis on what we call equity and equality in education. So that's something if you spend a little time in Nordic countries, you will see the private schools and selective schools don't really exist. Then the other one, the second thing that is different is that teaching is seen as an admired and trusted profession. I'm not saying that the teaching would not be that here in Australia, but teaching and what teachers do is seen very differently in the Nordic countries, for in Scandinavia, for example, where the teachers and school principals have a role to basically lead the education system. They are the people whose voice and opinion is very strong when it comes to decisions regarding, for example, the national curriculum or many other things. Unlike here, where the Australian systems are primarily led by the political systems or parents. And then the third one, the third difference, that there are no standardized assessments like NAPLAN that keep the focus on kind of a narrow area of curriculum literacy and numeracy. So when we do not have the national standardized testing system like NAPLAN in Finland, for example, it means that the teachers can teach whatever they think is the best thing for the kids. And when the children come to school, they never need to worry about how well or poorly they will do in these standardized tests that are used to measure what they are learning. The difference I see when I visit Australian classrooms and Finnish classrooms that in Scandinavia, you will never hear the teachers would be worried or concerned about the tests and how well their own children will be doing or whether they have covered everything that will be tested. They are more concerned about whether their teaching is interesting and meaningful for the kids. What about those kids who need a bit of extra help? I know from anecdotal evidence from friends of mine who've had children who require a little bit of extra help because they are behind or from those whose kids are kind of in the middle of the road so they're not academic achievers but they're not lagging behind either. They sometimes get a little bit lost in there and they can fall through the cracks. Is there a difference in those Scandinavian countries and how they deal with kids who need that little bit of extra help? 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think before I answer that question, I think it's very important to understand that all Scandinavian systems, they are designed to really serve individual children. In countries like Australia, United States or England, we often think that some children are not doing as well as the others or they should do given the standards or the expectations that often come with the assessments. But when the system is not standardized and there are no national standards, what each and every child should do, the whole thing becomes different. So if somebody is lacking behind or is not doing as well as she or he should, it always means that this child is not doing what she or he could do as an individual, not compared to the others. So the main principle is that all the children with the different needs are primarily kept in the same mainstream class with all the other kids and the, the help for them is provided within these children's school by the experts, whether they are special education teachers or psychologists or social workers or medical experts sometimes. But the kids are normally studying in a neighborhood school where all the others are going. What about the practical day-to-day things? Are kids in Finnish schools, for example, doing as many hours as Aussie kids are? Do they stay in school for as many years? And are they taking homework home with them? Yeah, you know, the homework thing, there's a the common myth here in Australia and around the world, really, that Finnish children would not have homework. That is not true. The truth is that the homework has a very different role in students' and children's lives than it is here in Australia, for example. It's a very common that in primary schools, uh, children in Finland practice. They do what we here call homework. They do it while they're still in school. And this is possible because the school days are much shorter in Nordic countries than they are here in Australia. But then people also need to understand that when the Finnish students move to secondary school, when they get older, the amount of homework gradually increases. And the high school, the year 10, 11, 12 children in Finland, they often have a huge amount of homework that's actually becoming a little bit of a problem among some young Finns because they consider the homework too heavy and demanding for them. But, you know, the interesting thing also is that as a parent here, we have two children in a public school here in Sydney. And the first thing that we realized is that how much longer the school days here in Australia are for the very young children in a kindergarten and primary school. In Finland, typically the year two student, a child that we have now here, would go to school about 8.30 and come back home probably about 1 o'clock. Or he could stay in a school and do some arts or sports or music or something else uh, there. But the actual school day is, is much shorter. I've done some calculations about this. And if we take the 15-year-old Australian boy or girl with the 15-year-old boy or girl from Finland, and we ask them how much you have done on a formal schooling, the answer would be that the Australian 15-year-olds would have been in school about five years more in actual hours and time than their Finnish peers. If there was one thing that you could have come in in Australian schools that is already in place in Finnish schools that has the biggest impact on students from your perspective, what what would that be? What would you like to see Australian schools do? I think, you know, one of those things that we can take from the evidence from other countries is that if we are really aiming at having a world-class school system, it requires much more understanding of the role that equity and equality of education plays in running the system. This has very little to do with what the schools are doing. This is much more a kind of education policy and political thing. But then the other thing, if your question is about what the schools could do, I think the one thing would make Australian schools immediately 
better is they would rethink the daily schedules that they are having currently in most of the schools in Australia that they provide very little time for young people to have time for themselves, to have a breaks and time to play, because this means also that the teachers have very little time to meet one another and you know help one another to improve what they do. In general, in Australia, we are spending too much time every day on things that don't always have anything to do with helping children to grow up healthy and happy and learn these things that we, we too often think that the only way that they can learn a school is to teach them and this is not necessarily true. Imagine that world that Passel paints for our kids with no divide of children between public and private of have and have nots, treating all of our future leaders, workers, artists and academics as equals and sharing the funding between them all. Shorter days with less emphasis on competitive spelling and equations and instead learning in the real world by doing. This is where the European systems will always have it one up on us. That's all from the quickie today. And a big thanks to Annie Abes, who said in an iTunes review that we are her favourite podcast. Thank you, Annie. Uh, she says, I've learned so much in the deep dive each day. The facts are presented and the background given to stories that not many of us know a lot about. Well done to the whole team. Thank you, Annie. That is exactly what we we're hoping this podcast would do. And we love getting your feedback. So chuck it into the review section of your favourite podcast app and we'll read them all. We promise good and bad. This episode of The Quickie was produced by Melanie Tate with audio production by Ian Camilleri. 